into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you listen, hope you're doing all right today. Uh, today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant, located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Or give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simons to get a decent Italian meal. And speaking of going to St. Simons, I'm going to be there all next week. So uh, if you're not doing nothing, come on by to uh, Sal's uh, next week because I'll be there. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by Gawk Box. What is it? Well, in a nutshell... It helps us. It saves you money. Gets you some stuff for free. I mean, what's better than a two-way street? Visit our website, www.billycboxing.com, and uh, click on the Gawk Box banner. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Turning Stone Resort and Casino and their next boxing event, which is this Friday, part of the International Boxing Hall of Fame weekend. Uh, I'm going to be ringside. I want you to be ringside, too. Get yourself some tickets right now by visiting our website, www.billycboxing.com, and click on the Turning Stone Fight Poster, which is right there on uh, the right. If you don't want to go that route, well, then just go to the Turning Stone and uh, get yourself some uh, tickets there. Make sure you demand the Billy C. discount. And finally, today's show is being brought to us in part by my book from Tom Molino. <laughs> my book about Tom Molino from Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet is available right now where all good books are sold. You can get a copy right now while you're watching or listening to the show by going to uh, barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. If you want to get a signed copy, just go to billycboxing.com and click on the book. Can't miss it. It's uh, <clears throat> all over the place. Uh, find out why we got a five-star rating across the board. That's right, across the board. You know, five stars. One, two, three, four, five stars. Um, today, we're going to talk about... Uh, Adonis Stevenson's annihilation of Andres Fonfara. Um, not much of a fight there. Uh, I was wrong. I, I was wrong on this uh, the uh, Jean Pascal fight as well. Um, in a nutshell, we'll get to it in a minute. But I, I personally thought that Adonis Stevenson looked good or Andres Fonfara looked really, really bad. Uh, my question is, what happened to Virgil Hunter? Virgil Hunter is supposed to be this big defensive guru and uh, Fonfara has regressed in the two fights that I've seen him under Virgil Hunter. Uh, Virgil Hunter was uh, in his corner for his first round annihilation of uh, Joe Smith Jr., I believe. And uh, either that or that he picked him up after the Joe Smith Jr. fight. I, I could be wrong on that. For some reason, I, th I thought he was with him for uh, Joe Smith Jr. Or maybe he got 
maybe this is it. Maybe he got Virgil Hunter after the Joe Smith Jr. annihilation, but he didn't look very good. Um, got knocked out pretty quickly. Uh, in case you missed it, uh, Donna Stevenson uh, knocked him out at 28 seconds of the second round. Uh, it was actually a stoppage by the aforementioned uh, uh, Virgil Hunter, who in my case, and, and listen, in my opinion, uh, no disrespect to anyone that thinks Virgil Hunter is a quality trainer. This guy is nothing, nothing. He's got Andre Ward, but Andre Ward, you know, I, I think Andre Ward doesn't need uh, a guy like Virgil Hunter. Virgil Hunter is, gave zero instruction. He clearly doesn't know what he's doing. I, listen, show me a fighter that Virgil Hunter has helped besides Andre Ward. Show me one. Show me one. Joining me right now from St. Simons Island in Georgia uh, is my man, Sal Rocky uh, Senecola. What's up, Sal? Good morning, Bill. How are you, pal? Not too bad. Not too bad. Your thoughts on the fight? I mean, uh, it took place. It's post-fight time now. Uh, Donna Stevenson uh, basically annihilated uh, Andre Fonfara. What was your what was your um, what was your thoughts on the fight? Well, my impression of Stevenson? I'm Superman, baby. I'm King Kong. I'm Superman. I'm Superman. Well, he surely believes that, and uh, I, I see why he should not after he just annihilated, as you said. Uh, Fanfara, and I was a little dis- well. I was very disappointed. Not disappointed as Fanfara, but uh, you know, I, I saw him. He looked like he matured. He, uh, he looked like he filled out. He looked like he was gonna, you know, put up a, a good fight. Uh, but I'll tell you what, <laughs> when he got dropped in that first round, deja vu all over again, and uh, it just unfolded from there. And to uh, Stevenson's credit, he jumped on him and. And that was it. Never gave him opportunity or room to even get into the fight. And, uh, you know, I, I, I couldn't laugh, but uh, I couldn't help but laugh when I heard, uh, you know, the cornerman, uh, as you you were saying, um, his, his instructions to Fonfaro was, uh, don't throw any punches this round. Just move. Just move. Don't don't throw any punches. You know, you got to keep a guy off you. How do you do that? Yeah, you do move. You slip. You do this. But you got to throw a jab. You got to throw something out there. But... Nope, I was disappointed in Fem Farah. You know, and, uh, Stevenson is now King Kong, baby. <laughs> uh, Superman, get get his nickname. Superman. Right. Um, Superman. My, my Superman. man, my man, coach in the chat room just uh, straightened my ass out. It's uh, 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 Farah hired Virgil Hunter after his first round knockout loss to um, uh, to Joe Smith Jr. So I appreciate that. And by the way. Uh, anybody that's watching us on a stream or even our Facebook Live uh, stream, which we've been experimenting with, uh, don't forget we uh, respond to the chat room up on BillyCBoxing.com. And also, if you're watching on Facebook Live, remember, that's just uh, a very uh, uh, low-end uh, camera feed. If you want to see the full television version, which gets shots of all of our guests, including Sal and, and Dax Khan, etc., uh, you got to go to the YouTube page. Um you know, the truth of the matter is, is, you know, I understand where Virgil Hunter was coming from. You know, obviously, know. Well, I, well, well, here's the thing. Uh, Von Farrow was was not 100 percent. He didn't have his legs under him. No. So the theory was, you know, don't throw a punch. Don't worry about throwing a punch. Just move around until you get your legs back. But if your fighters yeah. in that much, a day, listen, if you're a quality trainer like Virgil Hunter, you know, proclaims to be and some people uh, think he is. Well, if your fighter's in that bad of shape, Sal, where you can't even, you know, move or, or think about throwing punches accurately or, or the way you want uh, your fighter to throw punches, 
then you stop the fight right then. I, I mean, why send him out? You know, I, listen, Virgil Hunter is, in my opinion, the most overrated trainer out there. Uh, you know, if Fonfara had a weakness against Joe Smith, and his weakness is, is you jump all over him quickly, it takes Fonfara a little while to get into the fight. So if you jump all over him quickly, uh, you know, you beat him. And, you know, with the addition of uh, Virgil Hunter, it did nothing defensively, nothing. No. You know, he had no movement. He still stands straight up there like he's, you know, with a bullseye on his chin. Uh, As far as Adonis Stevenson is concerned, how good is he? Well, you know what? He looked really good uh, against against Von Farah, similarly to uh, when... um, when uh, Canelo Alvarez uh, fought a, uh, uh, you know, a punching bag in Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. I mean, how do you gauge their performance? You got to give Stevenson credit. He took care of business quickly. Yeah. He was accurate. He landed punches. He knocked the guy out. Uh, now, as far as uh, who he fights next, I mean, listen, uh, tr- technically the mandatory now is Alvarez uh, because Alvarez uh, beat Jean Pascal, another fight I was wrong in. Uh, to improve to 23 and 0 with 11 knockouts, uh, 117, 111, 116, 112 with the way two judges saw it. The third one, the third one had it even. Jean Pascal, in my mind, wow. might have won two rounds in 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 that fight. Uh, he, you can't win fights by not throwing punches. Jean Pascal needs to hang him up because this guy has turned in. He was never super talented anyway. Uh, but uh, but he, he he's I, I wouldn't pay a nickel to see him again because that's all you're getting. You're getting a guy that just wants to show that he can go uh, the distance. That's it. He, he wasn't even trying to win. Uh, and, I, you know, it was pathetic. So the, the bottom line is and, and Alvarez looked pretty good, was consistent, did take a couple of those, uh, you know, haymaker type shots. But uh, but he is the mandatory now, again, because he's been the mandatory for two other fights uh, for Adonis Stevenson. It's going to be interesting to see what takes place because the fight that everybody wants to see uh, is uh, Stevenson against the winner of uh, Kovalev and Ward. And the truth of the matter is, Sal, and you were alluding to it uh, you know, prior to us coming on air, Stevenson, is, he, he said he's the best ever. I'm the greatest was his words. His actual words was, I'm the greatest in the light heavyweight division. I, I, I totally disagree. I don't even think he's the, the best light heavyweight out there today. You know, uh, I think that he was in with the right opponent. What's your thoughts? Well, styles make fights. And what you just said was right on. He was in against the right opponent. He uh, definitely made uh, Fanfara look inadequate to even be in the ring. And you're only good as your last fight. And, Tell you what, Fanfara's market, marketing uh, value just uh, went down tenfold. So, um, <clears throat> no, Stevenson, Stevenson could be a good fighter. He is a good fighter. But uh, I, I don't see him doing anything uh, uh, special against Alvarez when he gets in the ring with him, let alone Ward or Kovalev. Well, you know, the funny thing is, is uh, you know, Stevenson – if I'm Stevens, if I'm fighting Stevenson, I have one game plan in mind to fight Stevenson. Number one, I let the fight go into the later rounds. I, I somehow, you know, Stevenson, I, I'm, I would think that his conditioning is suspect. Not that he showed anything, but then again, in his last couple of fights, he hasn't gone uh, far into the fights. He, he, he slowed down uh, in his uh, uh, fight with Bika. Uh, and... Um, you know, I, I I don't know. Listen, he's not even the top he- light heavyweight out there, let alone the best, the, the greatest, you know. 
Um, this is a guy that uh, has been uh, very carefully marketed and, uh, you know, uh, moved. And I listen, I, I just go by this. You know, he doesn't he does well in Canada, but outside of Canada, I don't think anybody really gives a rat's ass about uh, Adonis Stevenson. I mean, he really, you know, and, and even they were talking about it on the broadcast, which I, I unfortunately had to listen to because uh, I wasn't able to uh, uh, record it and watch it later. Uh, but uh, but the truth of the matter is, is this guy, I, I just I'm not impressed, Sal. I'm not impressed at all. No, and I was alluding to that too. You know, I, I don't think he's a Superman. I don't think he's King Kong. He's, he's a decent fighter. He's good, but uh, he's not great, and certainly not the greatest of all time. Um, so we'll see. I, I think, you know, but he believes that, and that's what's important. He believes that. And I love what, he, what his comment was when they were asking him, well, who do you, who do you think you're going to face, Nick? I don't care, baby. I think whoever Al Heyman wants me to fight next is what I do, you know. Well, that's and his that's, way out. That's his way that's out. That's his way out. That's his. That's his way out. In other words, well, are you gonna fight the winner? Uh, are you gonna fight Alvarez? Are you gonna fight the uh, winner of Ward Kovalev? Uh, whoever Al Hayman wants me to fight, that's what I do. <laughs> that's well, you know that, way that, out, that, eh? that. That's the cop out. You see hey, that? You see that? I just did a Canadian thing. I said, hey. Yeah. Well, see, <laughs> um, you know that's the <laughs> cop out. That's the cop out with with Stevenson. You know, and, yeah. and any fighter that um, you know uh, knows how to use the. Uh, the verbiage correctly, you know, whatever Al, Al Heyman's my manager, um, you know, even though I'd like to see a management license that the guy holds, but nonetheless, whatever, whoever he puts me in with, that's who I fight. It's not my fault. I'm just a dumb fighter. Uh, you know, that's that's the image he's trying to portray. Well, that's what he's and, trying to portray. And, yeah, and the exactly. truth of the matter is, is and listen, if you're the, and he said he's the greatest light heavyweight of all time, uh, which is not true. But, uh -huh. uh, uh, you know, uh, the truth of the matter is, is he can't even, I, I don't think he beats either Kovalev or Ward. No, uh, I don't even. You know, no. to tell you the truth, I think he struggles with Alvarez as well. But yeah, uh, I think he does. You know, I think he does. And and, we'll, hopefully, and, we'll see one of those three fights. Yeah. Well, Adonis uh, Stevenson uh, improves to twenty-nine and one with twenty-four knockouts. Fun Farah uh, loses and drops to a twenty-nine and five with seventeen knockouts. I'm not so sure. Fun Farah should continue. He says he's going to be back better than ever. I'm not so sure he can continue. It looks like he's going to get hurt. He stands up uh, very straight. I think uh, everybody knows now uh, the jury's out on Fun Farah. You jump all over him quickly, and, uh, you know, you, you catch him, and, and he has a hard time recovering. His re he does get stronger as the fight goes on, uh, but in this case, Stevenson didn't let him get the fight. Uh, much further. That's the secret. I got to get out of the second round. <laughs> right, exactly. That's his trick. He's, that's his trick. Hey, listen, we got to take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk a little about the Alvarez Jean Pascal fight, some other fight results. Uh, we got Dax Khan coming up a little bit later. We got some sports scores. We got some news. David Hay is in the news again. Oh, my God. You know, this oh, guy just, uh, he's like a Freddy Krueger. Just won't go away. But uh, <laughs> anyway, hold that thought. We'll be back in two. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're 
back. You're listening and watching the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us today. And uh, I want to give everybody a shout out. Uh, watching us on Facebook Live. Yeah, we're experimenting with that. And just uh, as a reminder, if you want the full video, the TV version uh, with uh, multi-video multi video shots, uh, check out the YouTube channel because they're simulcasting uh, the TV network's version of the show. Uh, and also, don't forget about the chat room up on BillyCBoxing.com. I'm here with Sal Rocky Senecola. And Sal, uh, final thoughts, uh, at least for now, because we'll get to it a little bit later. But uh, Adonis Stevenson claiming he's the best, uh, the greatest. No, no, I got to get the word verbiage right. He said he's the greatest light heavyweight of all time. And, uh, I mean, as a Charles was a light heavyweight, uh, Coach has got a couple other ones. You know, uh, I mean, come on. This guy, he's not even the best light heavyweight out there today. And, um, no. you know, who knows if uh, Fonfara would have uh, gone a few rounds if, if uh, the result would have been different. But it looks like he may be facing uh, Alvarez next. Uh, Alvarez uh, improved to 23-0 and with 11 knockouts uh, with his unanimous or majority decision because of the one plant judge. They had it in there, 114-114 over Jean Pascal. My thoughts on that fight was uh, Alvarez looked pretty good, uh, was busy. Then uh, he was busier than normal. Uh, he also took some uh, pretty hard shots from uh, Jean Pascal, so I think his chin got tested. I don't think he's got the knockout pop uh, that he really kind of needs in this division. Uh, he did land a few uh, shots on Jean Pascal. Now, Jean Pascal has proven that he's got uh, a good chin too, but uh, he just doesn't have the offense anymore. In my opinion, uh, one thing that we learned from this weekend's fights from Canada is that maybe Jean Pascal and Andres Von Farah both should consider hanging up the old gloves. What do you think? That's a good point. I I'll tell you what, uh, Pascal was. Uh, you know, I like to think he was in the fight. He was, but uh, you know, I scored at one seventeen to one twelve. I even gave them a, an, an even round somewhere in there, but. Uh, um, I was disappointed in Pasquale. I mean, he really didn't do much for two-thirds, maybe a little more than that, of the rounds. And, uh, you know, I understood he was trying to steal him, but with 10 seconds remaining and, and or 30 seconds remaining, it's very hard to pull that off. And uh, I think if he had jumped on it a little earlier, maybe uh, started a minute before each round one and, and showed some offense and, and uh, did a little more work, he may have had a, a different result, but uh, obviously he says after the fact, and we're all armchair quarterbacks or fighters, I should say. So I think that, uh, you know, it was a decent fight. Alvarez uh, proved to be uh, better and uh, came in there and fought to win. Pascal, he was uh, looking good at moments, but the moments were only uh, 15 seconds of each round. Not enough to win, not enough punches. Yeah, well... You know, that's the whole thing. Throw the punches. You know what? He was in there for a pay. I, I don't know this for sure. But it looked like Jean Pascal was in there for a payday. What do you think? Well, he got that. <laughs> I don't know if he was in for a payday. I think I think he, well, of course he was. I mean, that's a good incentive and motivation. You know, and he had a lot of fans in there, too. A lot of people wanted to see him come on and win. But uh, like I said, for waiting 30 seconds before the round ends or maybe 15 seconds or 10 seconds when they do that, dan, dan, dan. you know, it's not enough. You can't start the engine and, and engage and get out of first gear uh, with, with 10 seconds remaining in the round. You can't. 
you know, maybe a minute, start that strategy. Maybe he can take one-third of the round at the end, and he'll leave a good impression of the judges. You know, if, if, you're, st- if you're trying to steal a fight, I, I got to give a shout-out to Emily Harney right now, uh, part of this show for a long, long time. She's uh, watching us on Facebook Live right now. And uh, I love Emily. She knows that. And we can't. Hey, she's just telling me now. Maybe in a couple of weeks she'll be back, which will be great. So Emily, uh, we can't wait to get you back on. But uh, you know, if you're a fighter and your game plan is to steal the round, Sal, if that's part of your game plan, which obviously Jean Pascal and, and I'll give another shout out, my man Bernard in the uh, Facebook Live uh, uh, area too. He's telling me that, uh, you know, Jean Pascal was never good. He moved to Canada, which is true. <laughs> you know, I mean, when you think about it, you know, uh, uh, he, he was, uh, he was never good, but, uh, but the truth of the matter is if you're looking to, if you're looking to steal a fight, uh, in the last, uh, even 30 seconds, you know, I, I don't need you to give us the dun, 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 10 second warning sign again. Like you did Sal. That, that was, that was, that was unique. I got to give you, I got to give you credit on that. But, uh, but listen, I, I, you know, did I know, I know you, you, as long <laughs> as you didn't use the kazoo, that was good. But, uh, uh, but the truth of the matter is if, if your game plan is, uh, if your game plan is to try to steal rounds, that's not very, uh, that's not very impressive. I mean, that's kind of disheartening. Don't you think? No, oh, it is. Like I said, you, you have to, uh, go and fight to win. And, uh, you know, it's not like you're, you're trying to, uh, to uh, do something, you know, uh, in 15 seconds, 20 seconds, uh, to to take that round. You got to go and fight to win each round, you know, and uh, that's uh, that is disheartening when you're waiting for the last 30 seconds. And and like I said, he didn't put up much of an offense until that very last sec- few seconds of each round. And even then, like I said, you you got to you have got to be in a position to engage, and you know your opponent sometimes not going to let you do that. So uh, I think it was a poor strategy for him to utilize. Um, and I think that he uh, sold himself short because at moments he looked like he uh, had uh, some good arsenal that he he surprised uh, Alvarez with at, at times, not too many times, but at times. <laughs> well, he was that like was Sean, yeah, but he was throwing punches. Like, he was throwing punches throwing like punch. Sean Porter. You know, he didn't know where they were going to end up. You know, he, he's he's throwing these <laughs> wait, haymakers wait. and like a couple a of them missile. like yeah. a scud. <laughs> Yeah, like that that lunatic in North Korea. He doesn't know where his missile is going to land either. But but the truth of the matter is, is uh, uh, when Pascal was throwing punches, who knows where they were going to land? You know, a couple did land uh, on the chin of, of Alvarez. And, you know, at, at each, you know, during that fight, there were times when I thought Jean Pascal was pretty seriously hurt. And, and also I thought Alvarez was hurt. So I think they did both rock each other. Um, but you can't win a fight by trying to steal 30 seconds of, of a round. If a judge is giving you the round, and obviously whoever scored the fight 114-114 was being conned, um, then you're not a, a significant judge. You're not, you're not a, a, a real judge. You shouldn't be judging a world, uh, uh, world-class uh, fights, you know, or at least eliminators or title fights. You shouldn't even be, to tell you the truth, you shouldn't even be judging, uh, you know, uh, pro fights. If, if, if you're being coaxed, by a fighter like Jean Pascal, who's stealing rounds last thirty seconds or so, and you're basically putting the first, you know, uh, a two and a half minutes in the trash can uh, because you're getting sucked into the smoke screen. Well, then you shouldn't be judging, don't you? What, what do you think? I think you're right. No way, you know, because 
And I even looked at that when I saw this fight. And I said, you know, let's assess this entire round. And for more than two-thirds of the round, you know, Alvarez definitely had the dominant dominance in in that ring and uh you know when when uh, pascal tried to offer some offense in the last few seconds you know it's not enough to sell me so i for to, to sell a uh, a competent judge the same i i i'm 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 surprised 114 114 boy oh boy that's 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 a draw <laughs> that's my point how could that fight have been how, how could that fight have been how could you do that i mean that's that's ludicrous. I, I just can't see how the fight could be even close to a draw. I mean, uh, and, and listen, I was wrong. I picked both lose. I, I, I lost both fights uh, this weekend. I, I thought that uh, I fell for the uh, for the Fonfara uh, Kool-Aid. You know, he he, he looked pathetic. I, I, You know, if I didn't have hardwood floors, I would have dug a hole in my floor and buried my head after that one. And, uh, and I thought Jean Pascal would come back. I mean, he had a lot on the line. You know, he wins that fight. He's right back in the mix. Now, you know, he shouldn't have been in that fight to begin with. And I thought that he could have, you know, overcame the, uh, you know, uh, unjustified position that he got to even be in that fight. Uh, he could have uh, overcame that by winning. And uh, and he didn't. And, and some of the breakdowns that I was talking about on Friday, Sal, was the uh, lack of experience against top-notch fighters for Alvarez. And I thought that the uh, complete opposite for Jean Pascal uh, would have helped him in this fight. But instead, he was too con concerned with saving energy and, and stealing rounds and uh, for the most part. And he's holding his hands up at the end of the fight like he thought he won the fight. I, sometimes I don't get it. I don't get it with these guys. I mean, I, how do you hold your hands up when, when you know, come on, they, uh, the corner had to be telling him you don't have a shot. Now. And Roy Jones Jr. is in the corner. You know, I, did you notice that? Roy Jones Jr. in the corner of uh, of Jean Pascal, uh, obviously, uh, you know, uh, maybe he's trying to rip a page out of, you know, Roy Jones Jr. Let's milk boxing for as much as we can for as long as we can book, you know. <laughs> Whatever it was, it wasn't enough. <laughs> every, every time you go to take a sip of that five gallon <laughs> coffee cup, I switch over to you, man. But, uh, <laughs> you do. You do. <laughs> well, listen, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a chance up like a dog. I'm going to give you a chance right now, my man, because we're going to take a short break. And then when we come back, I'll we'll give you the rest of the fight results. Some other news, in, including, you know, I was just mentioning my girl, uh, Emily Harney, which is boxing's best photographer. There's no question about that. A fight that she was at and that she covered, uh, I'll be talking about here in a minute, at least the main event uh, over at Foxwoods. A fight that I wish I would have uh, went and seen. But uh, nonetheless, don't go anywhere, Sal, because uh, we're going to be right back as we take uh, another break here. So uh, we'll be right back. Billy C will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, joining me uh, right now is Sal Rocky Senecola. And Sal, we got some other uh, quick fight results that we're uh, going to get to real quick right now. Quick fight results we're going to get to real quick. That's a quick, a lot of quick in there, huh? 
lot of lot of lot of lot of lot of quick a lot that. of quickness a lot, lot of quickness quick. a lot of redundancy yeah, yeah it's a, <laughs> almost as almost as quick and as redundant as uh, donna stevenson is but uh you uh, got it my man dave wajiki uh just uh messaged me over on facebook live said he was in the corner of both uh, alvarez and stevenson at least he was in the winner's corners but right. uh anyway um, some other fights uh, in a rematch in the cruiserweight division, which uh, is really heating up right now. Dmitry Dmitry uh, Kudrzov uh, scored a uh, fifth round knockout over uh, Oland Wajai uh, Duradola uh, to improve to twenty one and one with twenty one knockouts. Now, if you recall, his only loss came at the hands of Duradola uh, in their last fight, uh, and uh, uh, this time uh, he got revenge. Uh, two minutes and 17 seconds was the official time of the knockout. Uh, Kurtisov uh, improves to 21 and one with 21 knockouts, and like I mentioned, Duradola drops to 25 and four with 23 knockouts. Uh, another fight I wanted to mention uh, was uh, uh, the fight that uh, I threw uh, with my girl uh, uh, Emily Harney. Uh, she was uh, shooting, and I, I got to be careful with that. One day, uh, that's a story I'll tell another time. But uh, she says. Oh, I'm going to go home. And sh- uh, what, what did she say? Uh, she, she said something like, oh, I, it's really hard to shoot myself or something like that. And she's referring to the camera, you know, and the way it sounded, you know, it's like, Emily, you got to be careful what you're saying, you know. But uh, anyway, Matt Remillard, one of my favorite fighters uh, from New England, uh, got into a mishap, did a little time in the slammer, uh, has come out. Uh, re, uh, you know, resumed his boxing career, had a uh, uh, get back in the ring, get a W, shake off the ring, Russ fight in his last fight. And this Saturday, he was the main event at Foxwoods. And uh, Matt Remillard uh, was in kind of tough with uh, Fatou Fazanov uh, and uh, Fazanou. And uh, Fazanou uh, uh, had only, uh, his record was 25-5 and five with three draws. Uh, well, now it's 25-6. Uh, and six with three draws and 14 knockouts because Matt Remillard uh, improved to 25 wins, one loss with 13 knockouts. His only loss coming at the hands of uh, Mikey Garcia. Uh, Remillard looked really good breaking down his opponent and uh, was working the body and seemed to uh, get stronger and stronger as the fight went on. And uh, finally, uh, Fazanu, uh corner, uh, just they kept them sitting on the stool uh, at the uh, uh, at the end of the fourth round. So congrats to uh, my man, Matt Remillard. Uh, also, another fight I wanted to mention in the minimum weight division or the straw weight division, whichever uh, sanctioning body you're looking at, um, Wayne Hang Meta Yothin is, uh, re- re- he uh, re- retained his WBC uh, minimum weight title uh, by beating uh, the WBC four-rated Omari uh, Kimwiri uh, in a uh, unanimous decision, 117-110, and uh, two judges had it, 118-109. The reason why I'm mentioning this fight is because uh, uh, Mena Yothan is, uh, is a fighter that a lot of people have never heard of uh, because of the weight division that he fights in. But he's improved to uh, 47-0 and right now with 17 wow. knockouts. Uh, and, and, and you know, the funny thing is, and this is what bothers me about this, uh, you know, I, they're all saying, well, he's just two wins away from uh, tying oh, the 49-0 and 0, Rocky Marciano and Floyd Mayweather. You know, I, actually, uh, that's not correct. I, you know, I can't stand the way we look at this record. I mean, first of all, 
there's no doubt about it that winning 49 fights in a row without losing is a great accomplishment, Sal. I mean, great. Floyd Mayweather Fantastic. and Floyd Mayweather and Rocky Marciano uh, both did it. However, there are many fighters, many that have passed 50 wins without a loss. I mean, uh, you know, you know, uh, if you look at uh, just three guys that have come to mind: Jimmy Wild, uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. And, and, and uh, you know, uh, Sugar Ray Robinson all all got uh, past that. Uh, you know what? Wait a minute. I think Sugar Ray Robinson might have lost his first. No, no, no. I think I think that he, I think his first loss was Jake LaMotta, and that was past uh, um, 49. I'm pretty sure. Not in my memory is, is, now I'm starting to wonder, but there have been many others. The yes. difference here is they continue with their career. You know, Julio Cesar Chavez went twice that. I think he was close to 80 fights, if not past 80, before he lost his first fight. So, you know, the significance of knowing when to retire is what they're getting credit for here, Sal. I mean, not the uh, string of wins in a row, right? Well, you you are correct. And don't forget, when this was made, when, this, when the, the, you know, the most recognized belt, title, position in the entire world most coveted prize or trophy in the entire world at the time was to be the heavyweight champion of the world. That was that was that was a belt that one guy had and he could have bragging rights, whatever he wanted. He was the heavyweight champion of the world. Every other weight division's important, yes. But to have the coveted heavyweight championship belt is saying that you know everybody recognizes a heavyweight champion, so that's why they put so much emphasis on Rocky Marciano, because he was the first and the only undefeated heavyweight champion to ever retire with a win of forty nine wins and for, uh, zero defeats with forty three knockouts. So that is still where I see Rocky Marciano always as a heavyweight champion, no matter what happens with other weight divisions, it's always going to be Rocky Marciano, unless there's another guy that comes out here and retires undefeated with the belt or belts. Uh, that's why there was so much emphasis on it. And I don't know even when, I don't even know why Floyd or anybody else right now is, is trying to, you know, say they're going to be uh, surpassing that. This had to do not only with the heavyweight division, but yes, I, I you get my drift. No, you definitely, you're definitely you 100% right. It all had to do with the heavyweight division. Thank God for the guys in the chat room straightening me out. Uh, Sugar Ray Robinson was 44-0 and 0 when he lost to Jake LaMonta, so he did not pass 49-0. and 0. But Finito Lopez, 52-0 and 0 before losing for the first time. Carlos Zarate, 52-0 and 0 before losing uh, for the uh, uh, his first time. Um, Willie Pep, 62-0 and 0 before losing for the first wow. time. So, so, I mean, you know, the 49-0 and 0 and 50-0, and 0, whatever, is insignificant. Uh, but you're right. It was about the heavyweight division. But leave it to, uh, uh, you know, specific people like Floyd Mayweather to, uh, to try to capitalize on that. But uh, anyway, congratulations to uh, Wen Hang uh, Mayor Yothan uh, for uh, getting at least uh, uh, two uh, fights closer. Uh, for that, but uh, hey, let's talk about some news real quick. Uh, we're gonna get uh, 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 we're gonna get Sal Rocky Senecola 
uh, on the line here. Oh, wait a minute. He's already on the line. I'm here. I'm here. Uh, Hello. Hi. Actually, I'm here. <laughs> actually, you know what? I, I got some news about David Hay that we'll talk about a little bit later. Okay. And uh, the Cruiserweight. Remember the Cruiserweight uh, World Super Series for the Cruiserweight division uh, that uh, uh, yes. they came out with? Well, I, there's some fighters that, that have signed. And pretty interesting. I love the Cruiserweight division, but pretty interesting stuff uh, that we'll get to uh, here in a little bit. Uh, but uh, anyway... Um, how about uh, some sports scores, uh, Sal? Yes, please. I want to hear the baseball results and some basketball and everything else you got. Got a little hockey in the mix too, I bet. Uh, no, that yeah, I could see you're up on all the sports. <laughs> no, the hockey's tonight. But anyway, anyway, in NBA uh, in the NBA championship, uh, the Warriors beat, the Warriors beat the uh, Cavs again to take a two to nothing lead. Not only are the Warriors beating the Cavs, but they're beating them up pretty bad. Last night, 132 to 113, uh, Kevin Durant led the way uh, for the Warriors. 33 points, 13 uh, rebounds, and six assists uh, for Durant. Now, LeBron James, you know, you can't blame him. I mean, he had a, a pretty, pretty solid game uh, doing a triple-double. Uh, 29 points, 11 rebounds, 14 assists. Wow. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, you know, they put... Uh, uh, 113 points on the board uh, versus 132. So uh, you don't need to take off your socks and shoes, Sal. That means they lost. So uh, uh, the Cavaliers are down two games to none. Over in baseball, your boys uh, didn't do too well. Uh, they lost. Uh, the Blue Jays beat the Yankees 3-2. to uh, The Tigers beat the White Sox 7-4. to The Braves over the Reds 13-8. The Pirates slapped around the Mets like they were some little biatch 11-1. to and 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 it's safely to say that the Mets are a bunch of biatches. So uh, uh, anyway, the Marlins over the Diamondbacks six to five. The Red Sox top the O's seven to three. Phillies over the Giants nine to seven. Brewers shut out the Dodgers three to nothing. Indians over the Royals eight zips. Uh, Astros keep winning seven to two over the Rangers. Twins beat the Angels three to two. The Nationals over the A's in a slugfest eleven to ten in that one. Mariners uh, seven. The Rays one. Rockies three. Padres one. And the defending World Series champions, Cubs, squeaked by the Cardinals, 7-6. to six. Got some emails to read. How about that? You got it. All right. First one is from uh, my man, Joel. He says, uh, and by the way, happy birthday, Joel. I noticed in the happy chat. Happy birthday, Joel. Yeah, I, I saw that on Facebook. Congratulations, oh, man. I noticed in the chat room he was... Uh, uh, reminding everyone, I guess he's. I guess uh, he wants some gifts and stuff sent. So anybody that uh, likes uh, Joel, send him a gift. Will you? It's his. It's his birthday today. Anyway, happy birthday, Joel. Uh, Joel says, uh, with the Donna Stevenson winning Saturday and seemingly avoiding any questions about a future opponent, could you see, as I suggested a few weeks ago, that maybe they'll do an old Quebec fight of a Donna Stevenson versus Pascal, with Al Heyman giving Adonis the opponents who make for less of a risk. Would it make sense from a financial standpoint to do a Stevenson-Pascal um, GYM, which is uh, Javon Michel, uh, can simply promote it as two of the best light heavyweights in the world who live in Quebec fighting each other? What's your and Sal's thoughts? Well, first of all, Jean Pascal, I, I mean, how, how, could they, how could they bypass uh, Alvarez again? And Jean Pascal, listen, Jean Pascal proved that at least in my opinion, Sal, you you can give me yours, but he proved to me that this guy's finished. This guy's finished. We had somebody over in the uh, Facebook Live uh, suggest that maybe he moved down to uh, 168, but I think he's finished altogether. He's done. Um, I, no, I, I think if 
I want to see I want to see the 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 guy who claims he's the best light heavyweight ever, the uh, greatest in his own words. I want to see him fight the Kovalev Ward winner, but most likely it's going to be uh, Stevens against uh, Alvarez. What do you think, Sal? Yeah, I think you're 100 percent right on, and. Uh... Yeah, we'll see the the greatest ever, Al uh, Stevenson. Hey, I'd love to see him fight either uh, the winner of uh, Ward Kovalev or the mandatory. Hopefully, he'll get that against Alvarez, and not somebody else that Al Heyman wants to pop up there as a rank contender. Yeah, you know, I mean, they can. You see, this is where I mean, we could blame Al Heyman, we could blame Stevenson as much as we want, but the truth of the matter is, is they all get to hide behind someone else you know well they do uh, Ste- it's well, layers well steven exactly good point a lot of layers because stevenson can say hey I, I don't make the decision i just fight al Heyman makes the decision al Heyman can say hey i don't make the decision i follow the sanctioning body they tell me i gotta yes. fight this one but then Bingo. you could always say well what about all the step aside alvarez has made more money stepping aside to let uh stevenson you know uh, skate than uh than anyone else but uh uh anyway uh, just uh, for note here, Joe says, hey, today is my birthday. He's 33. I'm a few years younger than you and Sal. Just a few. Uh, he says, it's been a great gift for the past several years to be part of the show and the introduction of Sal every day. What wow. did you, what, did you send you. him a check, Sal? I mean, come on, man. Easy. I'm going to send yeah. him a free T-shirt. Yeah, <laughs> that's what you keep saying. <laughs> he says, uh, it's one of my favorite things to look forward to every morning. And uh, I look forward to kicking off my birthday today by listening to your show. Well, we appreciate that, Joel. And uh, you should email Sal because he should send you a couple of tea. Why don't you send him one for every day of the week, Sal? Why don't you do that? (laughs) Thank you, Joel. And happy birthday, pal. Uh, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We got another one. This one's from uh, my man, uh, Mitch. And Mitch says, did you hear Fun Farah struggle to answer Jim? I can't stand Jim Gray. God, I can't stand. He... (sighs) <laughs> I don't know who I can't stand more, Jim Gray or, or uh, Ronaldo. Ronaldo is just terrible. I guess I got to lean towards Ronaldo. Uh, he says, "Did you hear Funfaro struggle to answer Jim Gray when he was asked how much ver- how much he's learned from his new trainer, Virgil Hunter?" And uh, and 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 Mitch writes, "LOL times ten. But then he says, "No, no, make that." And he's got a new nickname for Virgil Hunter. You're gonna love this, Sal. My man Mitch says, "No, make that Virgil." Don't throw any punches in the second round, Hunter. That's that's <laughs> a, you know, and, and I, I tell you what, Mitch, I love it. Yeah, Mitch, Mitch, you you got it, my man, because uh, I agree with you, and I, you know, I was saying uh, all along earlier, uh, he's in my opinion, Virgil Hunter is the most overrated trainer in the sport of boxing today. Uh, you know, aside from Andre Ward, who's undefeated. And let's be real, he's had an extremely successful uh, run with, with uh, Andre. But show me one more fight. Unless I'm forgetting, show me one more. And, and oh, by the way, Virgil, you know, your commentary sucks too. Him and Mario Ronaldo, I, I want to douse myself with gasoline and light a cigarette, and I don't even smoke. So, uh, anyway, thanks for the emails. we got another one. This one's from my man, Johnston. Uh, Johnston says, uh, uh, A, Billy C, and Sal, and the rest of the team. He says, uh, as you guys will be aware of on the show, it's been uh, a difficult time to be a Londoner uh, after the dreadful events that unfolded on Saturday night. Uh, yes, uh, it's uh, uh, London right now is uh, being a, a target of uh, terrorists, uh, and it's a shame. He said the scariest part prayer, uh, for me is I work five minutes uh, down the road from, the, from where the attack took place over the weekend. 
I use the London Bridge train station five days a week, and I'm a frequent visitor to Borough Market. Well, be safe, Johnston. Uh, uh, the only way we can uh, stop these is uh, get rid of all the terrorists, you know? Uh, you know. I mean, I know that's easier said than done, but, uh, you know, I don't understand where, you know, most people in, in life today believe in, you know, live and let live. Let's, you know, all be able to do our own thing. Don't hold it against someone else because of, their beliefs or, or opinions or anything like that, as long as you have an equal say. Uh, but then, you know, the terrorists have to uh, take it a step further. They have to cause, uh, uh, you know, destruction and death to uh, get their points across. And uh, I don't think we can tolerate that. He says, uh, with all that being said, I will not, uh, like the rest of my fellow Londoners, uh, let these attacks stop me from doing what I do. But we do need to start addressing these cowardly acts and get rid of these extremists that indulge in extreme acts. They are like a cancer and they need to be cut out. He says, I'm not a hater of the Muslim community and I do, I do not think all Muslims are terrorists. But at the moment, all terrorists are Muslim. You know, it's such an unfortunate situation that so many people, um, not only Johnston, but so many people associate um, terrorism with the Muslim religion it's a shame because obviously uh, it, this extremist group uh, is, is a is a spin-off of, of the Muslim religion and I don't know much about the Muslim religion I, I'm a Catholic but the truth of the matter is is I know Muhammad Ali and I knew Muhammad Ali was a uh, was a Muslim and everything that Muhammad Ali stood for in terms of peace and humanity, et cetera, et cetera, uh, all was uh, in a positive note. Nothing uh, like we see from uh, ISIS group and, and similar groups like that. So um, it, it's it, I know it's hard, and I and I hear what Johnston is saying here. I know it's hard to uh, uh, differentiate between uh, you know the Muslim religion and then the extremist groups, but we have to. It's not fair to uh, the uh, up and up. Uh, uh, Muslim uh, people that are, just believe in, in their religion but definitely don't believe in what goes on with the terror attacks and death and stuff like that. It, it, tr tr trust me. Anyway, he says, I'm a Londoner born and bred, but I also am half Northern Irish, so I can relate to the good Muslims as my own family had difficult times during the IRA troubles. Uh, as this is a boxing show, I want to leave you with a quote from a real Muslim and my greatest uh, boxer uh, of all time. Speaking as someone who has never been accused of political correctness, I believe that our political leaders uh, should use their position to bring understanding about the religion of Islam and clarify that all these misguided murders have perverted people's views on what Islam really is. Uh, he says, uh, it's a pleasure to be a part of your team uh, from this side of the pond. I wish you all the luck. Uh, and much turtle dove, which is love, uh, as a uh, uh, as us uh, Cockneys would say. Well, um, I uh, agree with Johnston Sal. Uh, uh, we can't uh, blanket everyone in, uh, every no. Muslim in with uh, the negativity, but uh, I can see how people uh, would. And I, I guess you just, you got to be strong. You got to be uh, able to draw the line because not, not all of them are part of ISIS, right? Absolutely not. And you know that. And uh, there are some great, great human beings out there that are of the Muslim faith. And they are a great representation of humanity and uh, empathy and uh, just love and joy. I mean, we have a couple that comes, they come into our restaurant every week. 
and they're they're proud to say in their humble way that they are Muslim. And I'll tell you, I embrace them every week. They're a beautiful couple, and they'll give their shirt off their back to help a fellow human being. And in fact, he did so one night when there was an older couple that, that had a little misfortune outside the restaurant. He came to their rescue, and uh, he and his wife. And you know what? They're a beautiful representation of what, what one would want for any race, color, or creed. Yeah. No, I, I, hey, listen. And it happened to be of the Muslim faith, and, I, and it's beautiful. Well, that's uh, that's the whole idea with the United States. I mean, you're supposed to be able to, you know, uh, be be able to practice and believe whatever you want, you know. But uh, anyway, it's it is unfortunate, and our hearts and prayers uh, go out to all yes. of the victims uh, in uh, in England right now. And hopefully, uh, hopefully, we could put a stop to this. But uh, anyway, one last email. This one's from uh, my man uh, Angel. He says, "Hola, Señor C." He says, uh, I would like to get you and Sal's opinion on what you both thought was the best era in boxing and why. And is it possible to do a Prince Nahisim uh, blast from the past for uh, me and my pops? Thanks. Yep, I'll put it on the list. This week's blast from the past uh, actually is uh, Rocky Graziano. All uh, right, my yeah. man Rocky. Yeah, somebody up there loves me. Love Rocky. But, uh, uh, yeah, we'll definitely put uh, Prasim, uh, uh, Prince Hasim Hamed. Uh, on the list as far as the greatest era of boxing um i don't know Sal. a lot of people say the 80s but that's the last great era of boxing what, what i'll let you go first brother what, what do you think was the greatest era of boxing i you know i i'm biased because i fought in the 70s and 80s and i just think that you know when you look at that heavyweight division back then in the late 70s i mean you could see any one of those top five contenders could have or maybe even then could have been a world champion today i mean it was just a mecca nobody was afraid to fight anybody i like that nobody was afraid to fight anybody whoa i mean they they all challenged themselves they looked to seek out who was the best and they wanted to better them and then best them and it was just a great era. And that just that wasn't just in the heavyweight division. That was in the middleweight division, light heavyweight division, lightweight division. It was where fighters, you know, there was an old documentary a while ago called When We Were Kings. Well, that's what that era was. You know what? These guys went out there and they wanted to prove that they could wear that belt, crown, the title, and they did it no matter what at any cost because that's what it was. When I said that prize has to be worth the price, that prize, that coveted championship belt, was worth the price to test themselves and to come out the best way as a victor they can. You know, the, the seven, late 70s, early 80s um, are regarded now as the last great era of boxing. Yeah. Um, I but agree. I don't think it was the greatest. You know, and, and it's funny. I remember getting a quote from uh, James Jeffries. And James Jeff Jeffries, I think, was celebrating his 60-something birthday or something. He was in Washington, D.C. It's actually in the Washington uh, newspaper. I got the quote. And someone was asking him what he thought of the current uh, crop of, of heavyweights. And it was during the Joe Lewis time. And he said, ah, these guys, basically, he said, ah, these guys are nothing compared to us. And a, a lot of historians claim that that era of boxing, the Jack Johnson uh, James uh, Jeffries, you know, the early 1900s is actually the best era for the heavyweight division. There are a lot of tough guys out there. As a matter of fact, we just finished reading uh, another book on Jack Johnson. I, 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 Jack Johnson was one of my all-time favorites, and uh, some of the fights that he was uh, fighting towards uh, the end of his reign against uh, 
you know, these big uh, uh, white uh, guys that uh, they kept trying to match him with. These they, they were giving these big, giant white guys a chance to beat Jack Johnson, and he wasn't even trying his hardest and was slapping him around like nothing. But in my opinion, the best era of boxing um, had to be between had to be the twenties, thirties, and forties. Had to be. I mean, you know, the, the fights that we had in those eras, you know, the twenties, thirties, and forties were all the best fighters. They fought each other. They fought a lot. You know, they were fighting uh, uh, every week, you know, every other week. You know, these fighters, you, you look at most of their records and, uh, you know, they, they, they would have these, these you know, fights, uh, the Irish against the Italians, you know, the rivalry fights, you know, the, the northern part of the city against the southern part of the city or whatever. And, you know, there were so many fights. And... Uh, um, I, it had to be the best era. The, the amount of fighters that were uh, registered and licensed uh, were just uh, were, were just it was phenomenal. It, it was the it was the king of sports. Uh, you had boxing, what? Yeah, you had horse racing, and you had baseball, and that's it. You know, and uh, everybody went out to to watch the fight. I I think the greatest era had to be the twenties, thirties, and forties. You know, I know that's uh, three decades worth, but. It was pretty solid during those times. And if I had to pick, uh, you know, one decade, uh, uh, I don't know. I, you know, that's a toss-up between the 20s, 30s, and 40s. I, I, I really think that that was the best time in boxing. I mean, uh, now that you had a chance to, to hear the right answer, Sal, do you change your opinion at all uh, from, you know, your era? You know, that was one of my first early meetings with you was when you're it was convinced me or what was that thing you used to do talk to me out of it or whatever the heck but <laughs> it was a radio show you did with me early on when i was making that comeback fight convinced me whatever it was called but anyway listen you were right that was a great era and what happened back then you had all the immigrants coming over here they had these guys this was their craft this was their trade this is what they were passionate about to be the best because the better fights meant the most money and, you know, like today, except that, you know, you could retire one big fight today. Back then, you know, you still had to keep fighting. Yeah, but wait um, a minute. Do you know that back then, between in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, the ratio of money, I mean, they made good money in boxing back then. They made good money. You know, did. compared to, you know, they were still making a couple of grand for, a, a, you know, major fights, still making a couple of grand. And. You know, people were working for seven, ten dollars a week. You know what I mean? So, um, right. I don't know. I, I think the ratio is still there. You know, um, Mike Silva put out uh, a book, uh, the uh, uh, the Arc of Boxing, the Rise and Fall of the Sweet Science, and I, I constantly plug it. Uh, Mike should start sending me checks for for it. But I, I tell you the truth, that book puts it all in perspective with data, and he takes those errors. And he shows why fighters were better in those eras based on the numbers. And I'm talking about the numbers of licensed fighters, the number of, of, of shows, professional shows that were put out, the number of fighters that were, you know, constantly fighting and how, how often they fought compared to, you know, today's. And, you know, the pool of fighters was so much bigger back then. And the champions were so few. There were only eight weight classes uh, and, and, you know, when you made it to become a champ, when you made it to a top 10 contender, you know, Sal, we, we, we got to take a break. But, you know, the truth of the matter is, is when we used to we took a, um, uh, a segment once on the heavyweight spotlight that we do 
and we looked at all of the so-called bums of the month club that uh, fought Joe Lewis, uh, and they uh, the media referred to them as the bums of the month. Half of those guys would be champions today, Sal. Half of those True. guys would be champions today, and they would be they were referred to as bums back in Joe Lewis's time. Unbelievable, unbelievable. That's just how far apart his talent was to shine above the mediocrity or you know the that level of fighting back then. And you know, to tell you the truth, if you would have asked me, and, and I've been a, I've been involved in this sport for over thirty years, if you would have asked me in the eighties, even in the heyday, even right after uh, Hagler Hearns or, or, or Hagler Leonard or, or any of those fights, um, all the great fights we still talk about today. If you would have asked me then if I thought that we were witnessing the last great era of boxing, I would have laughed at you. I would have said, what, this? Yeah. You're calling this a great era of boxing? You know, it was already starting to turn, you know, and, and I, you know, the fights that I had remembered watching as a kid, as a fan – you know, Muhammad Ali against Ron Lyle and Jimmy Young and the Frazier fights and all of that that had come before. You know, that to me were, were all great fights, you know. And and one thing I'm going to add, and then we got to take a break and we're scheduled to get Dax Khan on, so uh, we will uh, we will get back to you in a, in a, in a little bit, Sal. But, um, you know, the, the one thing is a guy like Hector Macho Camacho, if you watch Camacho in the early part of his career, this guy was, I, I mean, he had it all. He had he, he had hand speed. He had punching power. He was aggressive. You couldn't hit him defensively. No. I mean, it wasn't until the Edwin Rosario fight, and we talk about this all the time, that he changed his style up and started fighting a little more safety first. But prior to the Edwin Rosario fight, Hector Camacho was really on, on a path to be one of the best fighters ever. I mean, uh, I, I couldn't wait to watch Camacho fight. After that Rosario fight, he changed his style. He fought more safely, and uh, his career lasted uh, another 20 years. So, uh, anyway. Hey, Sal, we're going to uh, let you uh, go to the bathroom and uh, fill up your coffee jugs. And uh, <laughs> we're going to get uh, Dax Khan on. We're going to take a short break, and uh, we'll see you in a little bit, Sal. You got it, my friend. You take care. I'll talk to you in a little while. All right. That's Sal Rocky Senecola. And uh, like I said, he's going to uh, refill his coffee cups. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, Dax Khan is scheduled to join us with his thoughts on the fights over the weekend. I'll be back in two. Billy C. will be right back. Part of the Billy C. Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And uh, we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, joining me right now, uh, with his thoughts on the uh, fights from Canada and then some, is my man uh, Dax Khan. What's up, Dax? Good morning. How's everybody today? Oh, not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, all right. Well, I was wrong on both of the fights, but uh, what did you get out of him, man? Uh, I, 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 that Virgil Hunter is a great trainer or what? No, I mean, yeah, Virgil Hunter is he's a good trainer. He's not a great trainer. 
Uh, you know, so that's not even, you know, the, the point of the matter is, you know, this linear light heavyweight title fight actually went down in, um, Fonfara goes down in the first round from a quick shot. He gets up, he barely survives. Uh, the second round, Virgil Hunter ends up jumping on the uh, apron and saving him. This is the best boxing had to offer as a linear light heavyweight title fight. I, I'm not really sure exactly what happened there or, or how this was even sold to the public. Um, since 2014, Fonfara has some good wins. He beat uh, Nagumbu, uh, Cleverly, um, Dawson. He stopped uh, Chavez Jr. Stevenson. He beat uh, Shikowsky, Karpensky, who Fonfara already beat. Thomas Williams Jr. Decent fighters. The only guy to go the distance with him since then, though, is the only one who was a proven world champion to be able to compete at that high level, and that was Saki Albika. That tells a big story, in my opinion. Stevenson has some good defenses as a champion. Tavares Cloud, Tony Bello, you know, and Bika, but the rest of his reign has been pretty much a travesty, no? It's more sham than genuine. The first two, uh, the Bello and the uh, Cleverly fight, um, they, they were the, I mean, I'm sorry, the Trout and uh, Bello fight, they were the only two legitimate fights he's had. The, the Seiko Bika fight was uh, that was an ugly, ugly fight, and uh, you know nothing. That's Saki Bika. Uh, yeah, you know well, that's him, right? No, and I agree with you. I was saying this last week. I, I think he, he's he, you know he's terrible. I, I, really, I mean he looked good against Von Farah, but to suggest and pound his chest and say he's the greatest light heavyweight of all time, I, what, I, who's buying into this aside from him and his family? Because I, I don't know. Even the fans in in Canada, I. I just can't see it. And and as far as Virgil Hunter, I don't even think he's a good trainer. He's got uh, Andre Ward, yes, successful with Ward, but it takes two to tango. I, am I forgetting a, another success, uh, a successful fighter that, that Virgil Hunter has trained? Not anybody of note that I can remember off the top of my head. But, you know, this is, as I say all the time, it's a different era in terms of the fans, and fans are easily sold, Bill. It's the internet era. If you look at social media, look at the bounce around, then you look at some of the people watching now and some of their ridiculous comments that they make according to the show on, you know, how much knowledge they know. And some people talk about how Adonis Stevenson is great. Why is that? Because when they type on the internet and they look up, Adonis Stevenson right now is the second longest reigning 175-pound WBC champion in history with the second most consecutive defenses. Only Bob Foss with his 14 defenses and 2,306 days is above him. Stevenson has eight defenses. He's reigning, coming up on 1,500 days as champion. In 20 years from now, as the fans get less educated and they rely more on social media and YouTube, this will look like a superb reign. Overall, he's he's going to be he's, right now. He's number ninth or number eighth of any any light heavyweight champion in history. He's even with Archie Moore and Charles Williams. Only Roy Jones Jr. is eleven. I think uh, Michael Spinks and uh, Virgil Hill are at ten. Uh, Bob Foster, you know, was combined of two different WA. WBC, I think he has 17. Only Darius Michaleski at uh, 23 is going to be way out of his reach. So you know something, on paper it looks very impressive, and when you put in a few guys on there that have these records of only two and three losses, it looks very good on paper, and that's the problem. What looks good on paper nowadays and what can be manipulated is what sells, and that's what will make him great according to you know what fans think later on and they watch these carefully uh laid out clips on youtube of all this these sensational knockouts that's how boxing is easily sold and you know back in the days they used to call it snake oil and that's what boxing has become a lot of snake oil you're right i can't argue with you there and it, and i do feel for the 
for the young fan that uh, believes all the BS. And in their mind, they're, they're witnessing it. They get to punch up a YouTube video and, and watch it. Um, I remember getting into an argument with someone t about Jack Johnson. And I was saying that Jack Johnson was, you know, one of the greatest fighters of all time. As a matter of fact, you know, a lot of people, um, you know, in the descriptions of the writings uh, of the ringside reports of Jack Johnson are very similar to Floyd Mayweather's style. You know, very defensive, uh, could turn it on when he wanted. The, the big difference was that, you know, he could crush an opponent when he wanted to, uh, something Floyd is not able to do. But yet they wouldn't give him any credit because the video, which, by the way, was, you know, filmed uh, by somebody cranking the, the camera by hand in the early 1900s. They felt that the video didn't show any kind of speed or anything like that. So they just they just disregard just it altogether. And, and it's a shame. It, it really is. Uh, back to the fights uh, from Canada. Um, where does Stevenson go from here? I mean. The truth of the matter, we'll get to the Alvarez-Pascal fight, but the truth of the matter is is that, you know, uh, that fight, once again, uh, pa uh, Alvarez is, uh, you know, supposed to be the mandatory. He's already stepped aside not once but twice for money. Uh, we all want to see Stevenson fight the winner of Kovalev Ward too, but it seems very unlikely that this guy is going to get in there with a real fighter. I mean, Al Heyman and the rest of his team, they must know something. And, and quite honestly, Dax, I don't think that this guy could perform well after the sixth round. He hasn't gone, like you mentioned, the last time he's went the distance uh, was against uh, Bika. Saki Abik is brutal, brutal out for anybody. You know, he, he's never been pretty to watch, but if you ever go in there thinking you're going to have an easy night against Saki Abika, obviously you've never watched him in a fight. But uh, Lydia Alvarez, I like him. He, he, you know, he has a nice jab. He has solid boxing fundamentals. Um, but, you know, he lacks that big fight experience. Um, he was lulled at times against Pascal on those very few moments of um, – offensive outburst that Pascal delivered. Uh, you know, his win over Butte was impressive. You know, I also thought he lost to Isaac Chalemba, you know, I, which is no shame because Isaac Chalemba is a genuine world-class uh, world top 10 fighter. So, you know, losing to Isaac Chalemba means nothing. Uh, but, you know, if you noticed in this fight, and I did hear you allude to it earlier, the scores for uh, Pascal and Alvarez, I believe, were 118, 110, 115, 113, and 114, 114. Also, against Chalemba, those scores were 117, 111, 116, 112, and 114, 114. It was the same judge, Richard uh, DeCroffel. I'm not probably saying his last name wrong. He handed in the 114, 114 card in both fights. Something wrong there? Does something seem suspicious about that? How can you see both fights the same way? There was no way that you could make that fight 114-114. There's no way. Unless you were getting coaxed into, you know, uh, what Jean-Pascal's game plan apparently was to steal the rounds. But before we get into that fight, because I have some opinions too on uh, Alvarez and, you know, where he goes and stuff, but... Stevenson, what what's next for him? Where, where do you what do you think is going to happen? Are they are they going to coddle him one more time and and have him pound his chest saying he's the greatest light heavyweight ever? 
they might put him in there against Alvarez. Alvarez, despite him being a solid boxer and solid fundamentals, because of the reasons, like I stated, he does lack that big fight ability, uh, that big fight experience. And, you know, he was the couple times when he was caught by John Pascal, he wasn't really hurt, but he was paused in his tracks. Um, Stevenson's style of coming in uh, real quick with that big punch is something that, you know what, could work out to his favor. Alvarez isn't a big puncher. He's a guy, you know, who has to really work and build up the points. Uh, you know, so in my opinion, that could very well happen. You know, anything just to keep that title around the Donna Stevenson's waist and help him climb up that ladder. And it would be a travesty, in my opinion, to see a Donna Stevenson with more title defenses than an Archie Moore or uh, more title defenses than a, uh, a Michael Spinks or something like that, all because, you know what, they carefully manipulated. Other than that, all I see is a Donna Stevenson taking a couple easy fights and he's going to leave. You were very uh, correct before when you stated about uh, the distance. If you look at that second round, the Donna Stevenson was huffing and puffing, and he didn't exert a lot of energy, so it's not like, you know, he, he had put out a lot of energy, and he was just trying to recover for a second. Adonis Stevenson was tired after 90 seconds of, uh, after three minutes and 90 seconds of fighting. So you know something, what's he going to do when it comes to, you know, uh, three or four rounds of having to fight continuously? No, nah, this is, this is clear. Listen, Adonis Stevenson is clearly being protected. Um, yes, he's got knockout pop. There's no question about it. And, you know, for a five, six round fighter, as long as his opponents can't go further than that, he's still going to be competitive. But you put him in there with a real fighter and uh, he, he doesn't stand a chance with either Kovalev or Ward. And, uh, you know, I'm not so sure about Alvarez either. You know, Alvarez is a big guy. He's big. He looked huge in there against Pascal. I, I agree with you that, you know, his power, his punching power is suspect. Maybe he's not. He looks like he should have power. Uh, maybe he's not delivering his punches right. I don't know. Uh, but he did work the body. He seemed, uh, you know, technically sound. Uh, he did get caught with some of those crazy punches from uh, uh, Jean Pascal, those, those uh, you know, coming from nowhere shots. And sometimes Adonis Stevenson throws similar punches. So that's something he's got to tighten up. But his, you know, his technique seems solid. I mean, he, he comes in there. He, he, he does have a decent defensive stance if you're throwing at him you know, normal type punches. He does break uh, his opponents down body-wise, but he also seemed like he thought he had more power than he did, you know, uh, throwing one punch, not following it with another. Um, but I do like his chances uh, against uh, Adonis Stevenson. What's your thoughts on that matchup if it happens? Like, I, you know, again, if he can get past that, those early rounds and make Stevenson tired, it's very beatable. But because of those slight things that I say, uh, that I've seen, and you even alluded to yourself, that, you know, I could see the fight happening, and but I wouldn't be surprised if step-aside uh, step money was paid. You know, right now, you know, he did look like he was kind of big compared to Jean Pascal, who really wasn't big, but, you know, and Adonis Stevenson, let's say if he took a guy on like a Joe Smith Jr., who's a big uh, light heavyweight, he only stands about six feet tall, but he's uh, big in overall mass. Joe Smith Jr. jumped on him, kind of how Stevenson did uh, to guys earlier in his career. I can see him stopping in Adonis Stevenson. But, you know, right now, as I alluded to, or I did say clearly last week, is that, you know, in another year, more realistically, give it two or three years, these guys at the top of the division are not going to be at the top of the division. You know, you have some very big, young, strong, light heavyweights out there. you got a Dimitri Bivol, who's been fighting since he's six years old. You have a uh, Umar uh, uh, Solomov, you know, he's 22 years old, six foot four. These guys have strong amateur pedigrees. Alexander Vodzik, you know, is a guy who I've seen in person up close on the ring apron, and 
and uh, I had this discussion with somebody this weekend. He is one of the most impressive and frightening guys when I see him not when you see him knock somebody out up close. And I've been there, you know, for Triple G. I've been there for Tyson. I've been there for Kovalev. I've been there for Tommy Hearns. And you know something? When somebody like a, uh, a Vodzik with that punching power and bo- pure boxing ability and aggressiveness goes after somebody like an Adonis Stevenson or somebody like an Andre Ward or Sergey Kovalev who seem to be kind of winding down, and especially somebody like a, uh, a Jean Pascal who only fights in spurts, we're going to see this division change quickly. Now the question is, will the fights get made and are we going to see a new era of new blood? Because you know what? There was a card on Friday, and I, I don't know if you watched that from the uh, the, uh, the L.A. Fight Club at the Blasco Theater that had a lot of new blood on there and a lot of guys that we need to keep an eye out for because this sport is transitioning quickly. Yeah, well, well, unfortunately, we have the talent. Listen, we've been talking about that for years on this show, uh, that the talent and, and the you know athleticism of uh, not just boxers but all sports, they're out there right now on the advances of nutrition and, and workout techniques. You know, we have the, the fighters. The problem is, is we don't have the willing dance partners. You know, we have sanctioning bodies that won't take the claws out. We have promoters that don't want to promote. We have television networks that get, you know, easily uh, bamboozled with smoke screens and stuff like that. You know, the, the, the fight, uh, the Stevenson von Farah fight, and really uh, the Alvarez-Jean Pascal fight is a great example. You know, these two fights, as much as the commentators tried to build it up and, and give accolades for both winners uh, and losers in these fights, it was a bad card. I mean, they were not evenly matched fights. Jean Pascal... Uh, you know, you were so right uh, with your analogy and your breakdown on Friday uh, with him fighting in spurts. I mean, we all know that he fights in spurts, but that looked like it was his total game plan, Dax, that he was trying to steal rounds, you know, especially with a guy like uh, Roy Jones Jr. whispering in your ear. That's exactly what Roy tries to do these days, you know, and uh, the truth of the matter is, is Jean Pascal should not be allowed to fight again. This guy doesn't bring anything to the table anymore. Uh, it's, his his career has run its course. Uh, as far as uh, step-aside money again for Alvarez, Alvarez has made more money stepping aside than he's made in the ring. A lot of guys have nowadays, you know. But again, it's because the fans are so easily sold. And, you know, for example, a great fight like Ward and Kovalev the first time did horrible pay-per-view numbers. But you know what? The second one, I don't think, you know, the pay-per-view numbers are going to do much better because, you know, the fans are always there about whoever's being sold at that moment. And, you know, it's how they're sold. It's never sold about the boxing ability. It's always sold about that backstory. And that's what makes guys these superstars. And it's not the backstories that we used to see, you know, years ago. You know, there's never, you know, the the guys who have these solid, good backstories, um, except maybe, you know, uh, uh, Anthony Durrell or uh, Daniel Jacobs, who have a real feel-good backstory, how they came back from cancer. But you know what? Then they totally destroy these backstories and they oversell it and they make it seem like the only reason why these guys belong in there is because of that and they totally erase their boxing ability and these guys that really do have boxing ability what they want to do is they want to sit there and find somebody else that's easier to sell you know a bad guy or something like that and then just continue to recycle these images that happened from years ago you mentioned something about uh, fighters from um, like Jack Johnson's era or uh, Harry Grab about these videos and uh, footage that's available and they say oh they're not that good because you know this guy's just doing this and you know a lot of time they don't realize 
you know what? They were clowning for the camera. You know, you take a guy like Ali, you know, Muhammad Ali, if you see, look at his style and followed his career, and then you look at Jack Johnson's style and, um, you know, whatever footage is available, they're very similar, both in the ring and out of the ring. You know, and that's what happened. You have to follow these past greats. Now guys are being sold more than they're earning their rightful spot in the sport. No doubt. Um, what was your thought? Okay, let, let's get back to let's get back to to Hunter again. I know you keep trying to reflect it, but kind of deflect it. But uh, but let's get back to Hunter. You know, here's a guy that uh, you know he's been shoved down our throats. Now, obviously, he's he's you know Al Heyman's uh, trainer of choice, and uh, he's been shoved down our throats. And you know, he's extremely successful with with Andre Ward. We can't take that away. Uh, Andre Ward uh, looked great uh, as an amateur. He looked great in the Super Six. He's become a diva. He, you know, controversially beat uh, Kovalev, but nonetheless, he's still undefeated. Never lost uh, w- with with uh, Virgil. So, so we give him credit there. You know, he, he busts onto the scene. He, he, we start seeing him as a commentator, giving us his his uh, uh, you know thoughts uh, from a from a trainer's point of view. And 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 I I started thinking. When, you know, a couple of years ago when he made his debut on, on TV, you know, some of his, his comments were, were way out of, out of whack. It's so much like, you know, like he thought he was a, the Zen master, you know, and, and he, you know, he's, he's, he's digging deep and, and, you know, all the mental aspects, which is important. But nothing has been proven. He hasn't been successful with anyone other than Andre Ward. And to suggest that he was going to make Fonfara, a better defensive fighter after the Joe Smith Jr. fight, was a joke. He gets a layup fight uh, for the first one, uh, which, uh, you know, he, he had to have won. And then in this fight, he showed no signs of defensive uh, uh, improvement. And then to make matters worse, if your fight is in that much danger, ready to go out into the second round, where you're telling him not to throw a punch, do not throw a punch, just run around the ring and get your legs back. If your fighter is in that much trouble, as a good trainer, you stop the fight. You stop the fight right then. You know, instead of having him come out, take a few more shots, then stop the fight. I, I think that his value, realistically, if anyone uh, watched it and, and analyzed Virgil Hunter, his value had to go down after Farah's performance. I mean, it wasn't Virgil Hunter in there, but still, it's a reflection of him. What's your thoughts? You know, Andre Ward is a phenomenal fighter. There's there's no way around that. And Virgil Hunter and the t- him and Andre Ward, that team together has, you know, there's no denying the success. But, you know, that doesn't always make for a great trainer. You know, what you can do with one guy does not mean you can duplicate that success with anyone else. And that's what makes a great trainer, somebody who's able to duplicate that success with other fighters. Or like an Emmanuel Stewart, who later on in his career, instead of building guys up from the bottom, what he did was he fixed the flaws and the errors that, you know, already established fighters had. And that's what makes a great trainer. You know, the combination of the two of them has done great, but, you know, in my opinion, Virgil Hunter hasn't done anything else, you know, to back that up. So, you know something, it's great what he's done with Andre Ward, but until he has done something else, let's just say it's the team of Virgil Hunter and Andre Ward. Other than that, you know something, Virgil Hunter on his own is just a guy. He's not even a good one at that. Not even a good one. Another thing that uh, I wanted to bring up uh, before we let you go was uh, a weight division that you you're, you you talk about. And uh, uh, Wenhang uh, Menyothin, 
Um, he's two fights away from that 49-0 and mark, another win uh, this past weekend, uh, another uh, uh, decision win. The one thing is he doesn't have many knockouts. He's 47-0 and with 17 knockouts. Unfortunately, Dax, like you've said in the past, nobody knows who this guy is. Is people going to uh, or are people going to even give him the credit when and if he gets to 49 or even 50 and 0? I mean, is he flying that far under the radar or what? No, nobody's going to give him that credit for the same reasons as I was stating before. You know, it's the marketing. Nobody can be sold today on their boxing ability. Roman Gonzalez, even a Floyd Mayweather, who had said after his retirement when asked uh, ringside one night, well, who do you think the best pound for pound fighter is? He says, I think that... Uh, of Roman Gonzalez's that seemed to just totally fly by the fans uh, eyes but you know what they were the first ones to jump on when he lost and say I told you he was overrated and you know those are guys who only seen one or two of his fights I think they seen maybe the uh, Qu uh, Quadras fight and they based his whole career off of that so this guy isn't going to get any credit they were speaking about that in the chat room before you take a guy uh, you know, like Benny Leonard, who at one point in time had over 125 fights without a loss. That doesn't matter because, you know what, I haven't seen any footage on YouTube. So who says he was any good? And that's today's modern, um, you know, that's today's thought. So I don't think he's going to get any credit for it whatsoever. Any of the guys in the past who have succeeded and whether they have come close to or they have excelled, they get no credit. And what people don't think about, you mentioned Joe Lewis Bum of the Month Club before. That's another discussion I had over the weekend. A lot of those guys weren't as bad as you think. Also, you know something, Joe Lewis is fighting three, four, five times a year. That's a big difference in fighting once a year or once every 16, 17 months against a decent guy. That's how uh, a lot of uh, Ray Robinson's losses came about. Being so active, you're going to lose. But, you know, today, unless they can actually see, it doesn't matter. Unless they can sit there and pull that up on BoxRec, it doesn't matter. And in my opinion, I think if BoxRec should ever happen just to shut down, 90% of today's fans would be totally lost. You know, I say this all the time, Dax, and, and I know you agree with me. Boxing used to be a trade. When you decided to get into the sport of boxing, the natural progression was you started out as an amateur, as a kid. You know, you won some uh, medals and, and uh, you know, whatever, and you progressed as your amateur, and then you decided you want to stick with it. You became a pro. You, you went through your pro career. Uh, if you were good enough, you, you, you became a prospect, and then you moved into becoming a contender, and then you climbed the ladder in the contender, uh, and then you got your shot. And then 90% of these guys remained in the sport after they retired. They became uh, promoters or trainers or gym owners or, or somebody involved in the sport. So we had... Not only did we have the fighters, um, you know, a, a becoming a, a boxer by trade, they remained in the sport. So what we had was boxing people running the sport of boxing. That's not the case anymore. And just what you said, when you have fighters that are only fighting once or twice, three times. Listen, a fighter fights three times a year, a major fighter or, or, you know, a champion fights four times a year. They're winning Fighter of the Year award for being so busy, you know, and it's, uh, uh, it's a joke. You know, a lot of these fighters that even fight the big fights have full-time jobs, you know, doing other things. Their boxing is a part-time gig for them. You know, I think that that... Um, I think that plays a, an important part of, of what we see in the sport today. Absolutely. And you know what happens is, is the promoters want the easiest guy to promote, you know, especially uh, an Olympic medal winner. You know, that makes it great because the amateur system has already made those promotions for them. But, you know, 
Also, fighters used to start at a lot younger age. If you look at all the top fighters or a lot of the names, they don't start being talked about until they're around 30 years old. That new blood is coming around. Right now, we have a lot of young guys here. I'll educate some of the fans that can sit there and say, you know what? He thinks he's know-it-all. But right now, you have uh, uh, Jose Gonzalez, who's 22 years old. You have Alexander Butin, the 25-year-old. Joseph Landeros, who's 16 years old. Uh, Sam Antonio Pedro, 17 years old. Obed Perez, 16 years old. These are the new guys coming up. Uh, David Benavides. Is 20, 21 years old. Uh, Gilberto Ramirez is only 25 years old. And that's what the sport used to be like. These guys that we see today that they're still selling around back 10, 15, 20 years ago, even back, you know, back in the 80s, by that time they were an old man. But, you know, they just keep recycling now because it's easier to keep recycling the same talent. It doesn't matter what type of uh, performances they put out like a John Pascal did this weekend because that name is already going to sell and have to invest or do what you actually say and you criticize all the time, promote. Well, exactly. You know, promoters don't promote. You know, if a promoter was still promoting, they would take these young fighters and start promoting them, marketing them, getting fans to know who they are, getting their, their name out there. But rather than invest in these kids, what they'll do is they'd rather take a name that people already recognize and put them on the card. You know, promoters, you and I have talked off air many times about promoters that don't help their fighters at all they sign them they gobble them up and then the fighter is held prisoner um, because he can't or she can't go anywhere else and uh, the promoter's not doing anything except getting their cut you know and then it just makes uh, makes it all bad for everybody so and people just ask me how come you haven't gone to the hall of fame the last couple of years you know that's another thing where you know it's totally it's not about the fans no more it's become so so much of a business now it was not even an enjoyable experience in my opinion the year when ken norton was there the last time before he passed away when ken norton was it was blistering hot that day kenny had just had a stroke earlier that year he had a car accident within less than a year's amount of time and i remember them shuffling him across the street from the hotel kenny did not look well that morning when i seen him and he's out there and you know they got one guy kind of holding him up sneaking him around from the back of the museum just in case they didn't want it to look bad in case Kenny was sick and Kenny almost passed out and then they shoved him back around there and then they just shoved him across back over to the hotel you know like he was yesterday's news you know something I didn't appreciate that and that's the reason why you know I have totally lost interest in the Hall of Fame and that's something that you know it's not just the Hall of Fame and that seems to be the trend throughout the whole sport and that's why the sport doesn't progress because again as we keep saying or the theme of the day is they keep recycling the same things and they would use a guy like Kenny Norton just to sit there and say you know what he's a name that will attract the fans same thing with Marlon Starlin they can't in, uh, induct a man but every year they have no problems bringing them down there you know to attract the fans and attract the crowd so that's the business side of boxing and it's become the ugliest side of boxing back you know it used to be the business side and the shady dealings were done in the back rooms and everybody knew what the shady dealings were nowadays it's just blatant and open maybe it's the time of the era maybe I'm becoming old I don't know what it is but you know something I'm just really disgusted with the whole thing Dax I agree and uh, we'll look forward to you later in the week my man all right, everybody, enjoy your day. That's Dax Khan. You can check out his column up on BillyCBoxing.com. I'm going to take a short break. When I come back, we'll have Sal Rocky Senecola back with us. Got some news. David Hay update. God, him again? Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. 
consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, don't forget, you know, we've been experimenting... Uh, with Facebook Live, and uh, for everybody that, that's catching us on Facebook, uh, you're seeing a very uh, primitive uh, video feed uh, due to the restrictions we have uh, with Facebook. Uh, they won't let us stream the full-blown uh, show uh, because of uh, the fact that it's other places. So if you're looking to get the whole video experience, which, uh, trust me, is a lot nicer than what you're watching on Facebook Live, just go to the YouTube channel. We put it up there for free every day. Uh, it's youtube.com slash talkinboxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G. And uh, you get to see guys like uh, like Sal, who's with me right now. And uh, Sal, um, you know, I, I tell you, I, you know, every time, and one, one good thing about the uh, Facebook feed, they don't watch uh, some of the television commercials. I, hey, listen, all I could say to people is, hey, you want a free idea kit from uh, that endless pool which looks like I, I want one in my backyard <laughs> just call 1-800-949-9259 1-800-949-9259 get a free information kit right now did you get yours Sal? no but I'm going to send away for it what's that number one more time it's 1-800-949-9259 there you go Sal that's what I want to see good good one that's a good one that's what all that coffee does for you but uh, listen, I, I got some news I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, David Hay, you know. David uh, Hay. You know, I talk about uh, a fraud. Uh, this guy, uh, in my opinion, is a fraud. Uh, he's trying to stay in the press. So, you know, wh what do you do when you try to stay in the press and no one gives a rat's ass about you? What do you do? Do semantics. You do something outside the ring that's going to draw attention. I don't know. Or write an article about yourself, and that's exactly what he did. Uh, he wrote a, <laughs> He wrote an article uh that he's uh you know uh, doing well after his reconstructive surgery um of his uh Achilles tendon uh which he claims uh, he suffered uh, in the uh, sixth round against Tony Bello and he says whilst that's a that's an English thing whilst uh, wow. I'm not whilst. quite yes. in a position to be announcing my next opponent my passion for the sport remains unwavered and my desire to regain my heavyweight title is stronger than ever um you know the thing is first of all it wasn't his he 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 got a, a gift to get it and i think he's a fraud but you know what's funny about this guy he gets knocked out in his last fight against tony bellu injury or not and the one thing i do give him credit he didn't you know show us the injury like he did with the toe when he just stunk up the place uh, against klitschko right but but the funny thing is is he looked if if I would have saw the footage of that fight and the way he was fighting, now whether he didn't train for Bellu or what, he looked so primitive and barbaric. Looked like he never threw a punch in his life. As a, He looked like Derek Chisora. That was the style uh, that he had. But the thing that gets me the most, Sal, is he says his next opponent, he's not willing to announce his next opponent. Like he's the A-side. Listen, he has become nothing more than an opponent i don't want to see him in the ring with any 
major heavyweight. He has not earned that shot at all. If anything, another rematch. For some reason, over on the other side of the pond, they still buy this guy's tickets. I don't know why, but a Tony Bellew fight is the only fight uh, that he could, uh, you know, ma- at least make amends and beat the guy. And by the way, Tony Bellew was a cruiserweight, Sal. That's right. I remember. Crazy. I I, I agree with you one hundred percent, Bill. Unbelievable. It's uh, unbelievable. It's crazy. It's crazy. But uh, it's news. Uh, how, how about uh, how about we got uh, some other news here? Speaking of cruiserweights, because in my opinion, that's all uh, he is is nothing more than a than a cruiserweight. Um, in the cruiserweight division, remember uh, a couple months ago they have this uh, a World Series, World Boxing Super Series, and uh, they were going to do it for all the divisions. And uh, Richard Schaefer is uh, is part of this, uh, and you know they're starting out with the cruiserweight and super middleweight divisions. And you know I I got to admit I poo pooed it because. Uh, I didn't think that any of these fighters would would be willing to risk, but but they named three fighters that are participating in this so far, and it's pretty impressive, if I must say so myself. Um, the current IBF World Cruiserweight Champion Murat Gassiev, who's twenty four and 17 knockouts. The current uh, WBC World Champion Marius Bredis, who's twenty two and zero, and former. Uh, IBF, WBC, and top-ranked uh, 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 challenger right now, Christoph Vladzarek, 53 wins, three losses, and a draw. This is the same Vladzarek that David Hay avoided and gave up his titles before moving to heavyweight. They have all signed up to take place in the first season uh, of this tournament, Sal, and they promised, the organizers of this promise, us uh, some more big names now, remember, um, these guys are, are all going to be fighting each other. I'm loving what I'm hearing right now. What's your thoughts? Uh, just exactly what you said. These guys are all going to be uh, climbing a mountain and fighting each other. I think it's a great way to uh, to get the best of the best. That's what we always look for. It's going to start, uh, I guess, in the fall. And okay. uh, I'm, uh, I'm totally looking forward to it. It seems... Uh, uh, it seems like uh, this is the type of tournament. You know, when the Super 6 tournament came out in the Super Middleweight division, uh, it was great. I, I mean, it was great. The, the knock on it was that it lasted a little too long. And what transpired from it was that a lot of the fighters that entered realized that they were putting a lot on the line and subsequently, uh, uh, you know, the, the whole Super 6 tournament idea kind of, kind of fizzled out so if Richard Schaefer and his team can uh, can make this successful and I'm assuming you know because they're competing for something called the Muhammad Ali trophy I'm assuming that uh, if they lose it does not uh, hurt their uh, championship belt from the other uh, organization that they may be a champion of I don't know this for sure I would much rather and I know I'm, I'll get your thoughts but I'm, I, I'm sure I know the answer I would much rather have them put everything on the line and while you're at it, have a bonus for the guy who wins. Throw some more money at him. Have uh, have the guy who wins make more money, right? Well, you know, that's been my mantra for a long time. I mean, that's why they call it prize fighting. Let the winner of the fight take home the better size purse. That's all. That's it. That's it. For every fight, that's what it should be. It gives the incentive, puts the carrot out there, and you know what? That's prize fighting right there. 
And, you know, as far as all these tournaments that, that, that have come and gone, well, it's hard. You know, I remember early on in the 70s uh, when I was fighting or, or, or so, and in early 80s when I made my pro debut. And um, I think ESPN used to try and do a big national televised or national tournament or elimination. And, and uh, it was a good concept. It was a good idea. But if it was that great or that good – it would still be there today, and it's just not. They maybe reprogram it or or, or or furbish it up a little bit, and they try to re reintroduce it or something. But the tournament theory, although it sounds good and always looks good, uh, aside from the Super Six or whatever, uh, you know, it, it has a very few legs to stand on for the long term. Well, it's the just the way boxing works. Well, the reason is because the fighters don't want to risk anything anymore. No, that's it. That's that, exactly it, that's, man. Yeah. That's the reason. You know, they want to cherry-pick opponents, thanks to Floyd, who, who mastered it and, and was successful financially from it and, uh, you know, historically. You know, now everybody wants a copy. And I always say there's only one Floyd. Whether you like him or not, there's only one Floyd. But they all want to copy Floyd, you know. And, uh, that's right. Um, you know, if, if fighters really wanted to fight the fights, and prove they were the best and do the things that great champions did, which was, you know, above and beyond the norm, then these tournaments would be thriving. But the, but the, but the truth of the matter is, is that nobody wants to risk anything. Ooh, yeah. ooh you, mean, you mean I'm going to be in a tournament with 10 other quality fighters that I have to fight each one of them? Forget about it. I don't want that. Exactly. You know, that's, that's what, you know, I'm not saying the fighters so much, but the management, you know. But, uh, hey, it's that time again, Sal. We got a trivia question. We're beating everybody on this trivia question. Nobody's uh, we are uh, coming up with uh, with the uh, right answer. So I, I'm going to uh, uh, give the answer again. Now, if you're the first one to email me the correct answer, Billy at Talking Boxing. That's T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com. Uh, you'll win the prize, which uh, I do believe is uh, your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game, the same game that Alex Papali. Uh, does the simulations when we do our Blast from the Past on Wednesday. So uh, it's a great prize. Uh, so uh, here's the question. It's a who am I question. So who am I? Oh, no, not me. Wait, wait, let me, let me ask you the question. Not him either. Okay, but, who are uh, you? Who, 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 who am I? Who am I? <laughs> no, no. Uh, before, my 20th, before my 20th birthday, I beat four world champions and then lost to another one who I also defeated just one month past my 20th birthday. Who am I? Before my 20th birthday, I beat four world champions and lost to another one. Obviously, this is former world champions. And lost to yes. another one, uh, who then I beat one month past my 20th birthday. Who am I? Sal, well. can you steal the answer? Can you, can you force me to go to another one? I mean, do you have uh, any ideas on this one? I do have an idea on this one. And I'm going to have to say Jack Dempsey? <laughs> no, that's not. Great okay. answer, though. Great answer, Sal. Great answer. Thank you. But Thank you. Uh, oh, God. anyway, I want to give a shout out to my man Bobby Hitz. He's. Uh, uh, watching us on Facebook Live, uh, we're gonna have. I'd love to have him on. Bobby was Bobby was fun uh, to have on. Although you know what, I covered a couple of his fights, and he kind of he acted a little snooty towards me. You know, come on, Bobby. I know, I know <laughs> he's on. become. Uh, you know, I know he's become a a, a big uh, uh, promoter, especially in Chicago. But we went and saw 
we we actually uh, we saw a great card that Bobby Hits uh, uh, Promotions put on. It was part of the Boxino tournament. Uh, in the middleweights, I got to meet uh, Hollywood Yaminguez and uh, some of his other uh, really uh, talented young uh, fighters coming up. So yeah, we got to have Bobby come on. Uh, just uh, I love Bobby Hits. He's even though even though that day he, he kind of kicked me to the curb a little bit, but uh, we forgive him, right, Sal? Absolutely, right. absolutely. Maybe that off day, we'll get him again. Yeah, well, you know, he, any, you know, nothing. A couple of scotches he can buy for me won't fix. You know, there I you mean, go. Uh, you know, but uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, no, Sal, it wasn't Jack Dempsey. So you guys are still active. So here's the question one more time. If you're the first one to answer this correctly by emailing me, Billy at Talkin' Boxing. Let me spell it for you. It's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. Before my, it's a who am I question. Before my 20th birthday, I beat four former world champions and lost to another one who I defeated just one month past my 20th birthday. Who am I? If you're the first one to email me with the correct answer, Billy at Talkin Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com, you'll win your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. Good luck to everyone on that. How about this, Sal? On this day, June 5th, um, I, you know, I got to, uh, one of my fighters fought this guy uh, right a, a little after this time. Uh, but uh, it was uh, quite the guy, uh, Vasily Jirov. He was uh, quite the fighter. As a matter of fact, he ended uh, Baby Joe Macy's career. But uh, on this day, June 5th in 1999, Vasily Jirov knocks out Arthur Williams uh, in the seventh round to win the IBF World Cruiserweight title, and that took place in Biloxi, Mississippi, on this day in 1999. Also on that card, same day, of course, uh, same date, same year, Roy Jones Jr. wins a 12-round decision over Reggie Johnson to unify the light heavyweight title, and that took place, like I said, in Biloxi, Mississippi. On this day in 2004, Christian Savania wins a 12-round decision over Marcus Beyer to win the WBC World Super Middleweight title, and that took place in Germany. On this day in 1950, the best ever. Remember that, boys and girls, the best ever. Sugar Ray Robinson wins his first world middleweight title when he won a 15-round decision over Robert Villamain to win the Pennsylvania world middleweight title. That's right. It was a vacant title, took place in Philadelphia, and that, boys and girls, was his first middleweight world title. Sal, you have any uh, final thoughts today? No, I'll tell you what. It was a good show all around. We recapped what happened this weekend and uh, threw in some sports. My Yankees lost. We got to get back on track with that. And uh, no, it was good. Good, uh, great show. Thank you, man. That's it, huh? That's it. No, 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 no. Uh, you know, no. I I got one question, and I, I I tried to raise my hand down in front. Okay, and and I was going to ask. You mentioned earlier. The minimum weight division. How minimum is it? <laughs> it's 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 light. I think it's 112. I think it's 112 pounds. Didn't we call that a 
a a flyweight one time? No, no, no. It's below flyweight. Come on, man. Flyweight's a monster compared to these guys. One <laughs> fifty. Yeah, they they separate by like you know a good healthy a visit to one a of your five, and, uh, two three pounds. Listen, listen. They separate these weight classes for a nice healthy visit to your clean bathroom at Sal's neighborhood pizzeria. <laughs> That's what it is. Which you're gonna be a part of next week. Next week. Hey, listen. Don't forget, uh, we got a busy week scheduled. We got Larry Hazard coming on on Wednesday. We got uh, our blast from the past this week, Rocky Graziano. Uh, we'll be talking about some of the fights this weekend, breaking them down. All of that's coming up later in the week. Uh, but uh, I'll leave you guys with this. Make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, ciao, baby. Da na 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 na